This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, May 30th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The president and at least four U.S. senators want to take Twitter down a peg, and by extension, all the big social media platforms accused of bias against self-styled conservatives. The president this week offered up an executive order to begin trying to bring social media to heel. According to Cato's Matthew Feeney, these politicians misunderstand or at least misrepresent federal law and the First Amendment. The president of the United States uh, has been in a bit of a row uh, with Twitter and how they've been treating him, especially recently. Uh, This comes sort of at the end of sort of a longstanding, I guess, claim by many mainstream self-described conservatives that sites like Twitter, like Facebook, uh, and others are censoring conservative speech. And and three uh, U.S. senators in particular, that's Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and Josh Hawley, have all said uh, in different ways that they want to crack down, in a sense, on uh, these platforms for how they do business and sometimes it's wrapped up in the First Amendment. Other times it's uh, more uh, technocratic in terms of how they want to approach it. But give me your sense of uh, what these guys are saying uh, and uh, how much water it holds. Right. Well, there's a a lot to unpack and we could probably have you know a whole day of commentary on everything incorrect uh, prominent people have been saying recently. But I think it's it's fair to say that at the heart of what these particular lawmakers are saying is is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which was the target of President Trump's recent executive order. And it has prompted a, a wide range of commentary associated with public forums and publishers and platforms and how should we think about uh, companies like Twitter and Facebook. And uh, what's been interesting is to see uh, some U.S. senators who are actually educated lawyers are making fundamental mistakes about what this law uh, actually says and its implications. Uh, so, for example, uh, we can pick on uh, the Republican senator from uh, Florida, Marco Rubio, who uh, took to Twitter to say that uh, the law still protects social media companies like Twitter because they are considered forums, not publishers. Uh, and this is incorrect and I think reveals a, a rather common misunderstanding about the relevant law. Uh, which is worrying because these are powerful lawmakers considering legislation that could change the internet as we know it. Um, all that Section 230 uh, of the Communications Decency Act does is that it provides uh, websites like Twitter, Facebook, big and small, that uh, with two major protections. Uh, one is, that's that's crucially important is that it says uh, that these websites are not considered the publishers of content or the vast majority of content that users upload. And the second part of uh, the law that uh, it will be of interest is uh, that these sites are free to moderate content as they wish. What's important here is that there's no obligation on behalf of Twitter or Facebook to engage in neutral uh, political content moderation. Uh, Such moderation does not make them a publisher. And in fact, there is no distinction in the law between publishers and platforms. In fact, traditional publishers like the New York Times also enjoy Section 230 protection uh, because they have a website where where people can provide comments. And that comment section on the New York Times is a interactive computer service covered by Section 230. In addition, Twitter can be considered the publisher of content if it's something that Twitter publishes or posts, like the fact check of 
President Trump. So this is a, a fundamental confusion that unfortunately got retweeted something like 23,000 times, uh, but that doesn't make it any less false. So uh, I should have mentioned Lindsey Graham. He's a part of uh, this group as well in terms of wanting to crack down on uh, social media companies. So uh, for that, for his part, uh, what has Josh Hawley proposed? Josh Hawley is probably the most prominent critic of so-called big tech in, in the Repu among Republican senators. Uh, he's he's proposed uh, legislation uh, that would uh, force uh, that would require uh, Section 230 protections for large internet companies uh, be contingent on political neutrality. The idea here is that once you get big enough, you only get Section 230 protection if the FTC has decided that you're sufficiently politically neutral, uh, which, is, which is sort of an astonishing proposal if you think about the power that it gives an alphabet soup agency, which are traditionally the kind of agencies Republicans abhor. Uh, it's also very worrying because it means that that websites of a certain size would presumably have to uh, accept content they would otherwise moderate. Uh, we should keep in mind that uh, the, the U.S. First Amendment uh, allows for a wide, wide range of uh, legal but also reprehensible speech that a lot of private companies want to distance themselves from. Uh, some of it can be political. So uh, the Nazi party uh, oftentimes uh, produces legal content that many people find abhorrent. Uh, there's also legal content uh, like pornography or images of people being murdered. Uh, all of this is legal, but nonetheless, uh, the kind of content that people would like to moderate. And Section 230 allows websites like Facebook, Twitter, but also tiny tiny websites and also uh, anyone who runs a blog with a comment section to moderate that without risk of uh, civil liability. All right. So uh, in the president's uh, row with Twitter specifically, uh, this week, uh, as of this recording, we're recording on a Friday, the president was complaining about the fact that Twitter put a fact check link below uh, a, a tweet that he he posted, and he's calling this censorship. Right. Uh, the president is wrong. Um, it's 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 an interesting debate that uh, uh, that the president is having having these days. Um, so one, it's very odd to portray someone questioning your assertion as a form of censorship. Uh, if I say that the sky is green and you say it's blue, uh, you're not censoring me. I'm still allowed to say that the sky is green. Uh, the President Trump is not a fan of people uh, criticizing or correcting him, uh, and this is uh, no exception. Uh, it is not remotely uh, censorship to issue a fact check, but we should also be careful about using the word censorship in the context of Twitter actually removing content. Uh, Twitter is, is not a government. Uh, it is a private American company, uh, and they are free to associate with uh, any kind of speech they want, uh, as allowed under Section 230. Uh, although I should stress, and something that, that I think is oftentimes overlooked, is that even absent 230, uh, this, the, the freedom of association would still exist and the First Amendment would still exist. So it's not as if absent Section 230, all social media companies would have to allow all First Amendment protected content. In fact, if you remove Section 230, the, the irony is you would have far less conservative speech. Uh, if Twitter were potentially liable for every tweet that the president issued, it would be much, much more sensible for them from a legal and financial point of view, just to delete the account. Uh, what, what, what I think many people, and this gets to Marco Rubio's tweet, are confused about is that uh, these social media sites aren't public 
forums in the way that uh, we should be thinking about them. That they're private companies; they're allowed to associate with whoever they want. Uh, and to portray a fact check as censorship is uh, just incorrect. And I can't believe we have to go through this, but I've seen it so many times posted. Uh, the notion that because Twitter is a public company, that is to say they sell shares to uh, individuals and institutions, that this does not allow them uh, to operate in the way that they've been operating. Wait, have you actually seen people say that? <laughs> I'm afraid so, yes. Wait, so, so wait, the argument seriously that because it's called a public company? <laughs> yes, they, I'm, Matthew, I'm, I'm going to keep all this in. But yes, that's, I have, I've seen that. I've seen that labeled said a bunch of times. Um, I, well, look, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> one, one, one doesn't know where to begin with, <laughs> with someone like that. No, um, look, uh, that there, there are certain labels attached to these companies, uh, for investment purposes and, you know, shares you can buy and whether those are behind closed doors or public, if anyone is allowed to buy shares. Uh, but no, these, uh, uh, Twitter is a private company. It's not owned by the government. It's owned by, uh, private entities and institutions, um, it's gone. The, the fact that something might be called a publicly traded company has absolutely no bearing on that designation for the purposes uh, that we're having this conversation about. So what of the notion, and I think the president alluded to this in uh, a tweet or two complaining about Twitter, uh, that this is advocacy? Uh, well, I, I would say a couple of things about that. One is, uh, there's so much content on a lot of these social media sites, uh, something like 400 hours worth of content is uploaded to YouTube every minute. There are hundreds of millions of, uh, tweets posted per day that anyone will be able to find advocacy and content moderation if they're looking for it. In fact, uh, it might come as news to some conservatives, but, uh, uh, many people on the political left also have their complaints about, uh, many of these firms and their content moderation policies. Uh, so one, I would say we should be hesitant to accept claims of anti-conservative bias uh, in the, the Silicon Valley content moderation debate. But I would also say if it is advocacy, so what? Uh, these are private companies who are allowed to advocate if they feel like it. Um, if, if Mark Zuckerberg woke up tomorrow and said anyone who has ever liked uh, Donald Trump's Facebook page is, is removed, it would be an unwise business decision and it would be an unwise PR move, but it would certainly be allowed. So going forward, I mean, what do you see as the big risks? He is uh, the president has uh, laid out this uh, executive order that he signed as of this recording. It was yesterday. Um, sub substantially, what's in it? Well, the, the the executive order itself, I think, is actually uh, very weak and unworkable. Uh, it's is the result of uh, Donald Trump uh, being upset about what uh, Twitter is doing. Uh, it is. You know, it's 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 kind of funny because uh, it, part of it is uh, the executive branch asking an independent agency to do something, which is uh, sort of runs against what uh, the point of an independent agency is. Uh, so when it comes to actually the substance of this executive order, I'm not uh, too worried about it. But however, what I am worried about is that this is the kind of news that provides fuel to people like Senator Hawley and Senator Cruz and Senator Graham uh, and other critics of, of Section 230 who could use the EO as an opportunity to uh, introduce other legislation to amend Section 230. We should remember that Section 230 has been amended before. Uh, and it uh, the SESTA Foster, for example, was a, an amendment to 230 focused on content associated with human trafficking. Uh, Senator Graham 
is currently uh, discussing the so-called Earn It Act, which is uh, a, a bill that, broadly speaking, would uh, make Section 230 protections contingent on certain activities associated with uh, images of, of child sexual exploitation. And of course, no one wants to even be portrayed as potentially being being associated with people who produce that kind of material. Uh, but I do worry that in the long run, uh, this kind of EO just provides more opportunities for people to uh, amend a law that is crucial for the free flow of ideas in the modern internet age. And I, I worry that even uh, people who uh, perhaps are motivated to amend 230 because of a, an understandable concern for people who are victims of abuse, uh, we should, of course accept the fact that that kind of abuse is horrific while also being wary of uh, the, the kind of proposals that we see with legislation like the Earnet Act. Um, the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act is a federal statute. We have the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution uh, that contains a myriad rights. Um, how important is Section 230? Section 230 is very important. Um, in fact, uh, Eric Goldman, who was who is a, a law professor at Santa Clara, has a great paper explaining why actually uh, Section 230 is better than the First Amendment in many ways, because it provides uh, legal certainty for for parties and and reduces uh, the cost of litigation. And, and that's all very, very valuable. Um, we shouldn't forget, of course, though, that it is a federal statute. It can be repealed. It can be amended. Uh, of course, um, removing the First Amendment would be a much, much more difficult task. Uh, but we shouldn't forget that that the First Amendment is, is a bedrock of American uh, speech law, but it's been approved upon uh, uh, many, many times. The, the The problem I think that, that many people have is that they think if you just repealed Section 230 that suddenly the internet would become awash with uh, previously uh, removed conservative speech, and that that's not true. Uh, the, the 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 whole point of of Section two thirty was to try and find a way so that we could have valuable third party content, have people contribute to the internet without the hosts of that content being legally liable. And I think it's a very innovative and uh, worthy law. Uh, but unfortunately, the left and the right both have complaints about it, and uh, I don't see that ending anytime soon. Matthew Feeney directs Cato's project on emerging technologies. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.